Welcome to the Untoxicated Podcast. I'm Matt Salis, and I'm here with my wife, Sherry. And I can't stop thinking about, still, my favorite moment of this holiday season was when our daughter came home from her freshman year in college. And she explained, she was having a conversation directly with you. I wasn't part of the conversation. I was like in the other room. And she started talking to you about her friend, who had decided to go by they, them pronouns. And so me listening from the kitchen while you two were sitting at the dining room table talking, she said, they they have decided to go by they. And you said, well, who's they? And she said, Sally, or whatever the girl's name is. And you said, Sally and who? And she said, just them. And you said, I know them. Who's them? And she said, Sally. And you said, but... But who are they? And it went back and forth. It was a true, authentic, who's on first moment. Catherine, of course, sticking hard to using the they, them pronouns and you not being able to break through because for (coughs) 40 plus years of your life, they and them have been plural pronouns. And you're just wondering who else besides Sally. It was hilarious. And... I don't think either of you did anything wrong. And, and let us say right up front, you and I are not in any way offended or opposed <laughs> to anyone going by whatever pronouns they want say, to. And I know that our daughter feels like that. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, like she absolutely has no idea. Like, like it's not that I don't understand the non-binary. I don't, it's not that I'm not supportive of it. Right. It's not that I think that anybody, you know, shouldn't have the right to choose. It's just... When she said something like, they're going to cut my hair, I was like, it takes more than one because it's (laughs) plural and it's hard. And it's not that I don't, and it's not that I'm disqualifying this person's choice or anybody else's choice. No, we're not laughing at their choice. And I've just known this person for a long time, so it's really hard because it is a plural. Well, it's it's trying to teach old dogs new tricks and we're, we're, yeah, we're trying to... To take the plural out of the they and them, and that's really hard. Yeah, and then a conversation you weren't a part of was just like, you know, she's, our daughter is a big advocate. She understands the difficulty. And I said, you have no idea. I started working at the bar that I met your dad at because I looked around and I didn't have anybody I could go out on a date with that was the opposite sex. I was the only heterosexual amongst all of my friends. Oh, yeah. There so were, you've been very yeah. accepting of... Everything since the beginning of time. I said, you know, like my bar that I hung out was the gay bar. And, you know, and I took your dad there. And that was a whole like introduction to homosexuality that he was not used to. You know, this is the early 90s. I was far more sheltered than you. So you opened me up to many things and continue to. Well, and I just know my mom had a, a really good friend that was gay when in the late 70s, early 80s when she was working and he and his partner were like wonderful and took us on like long weekend trips. So I was just, it's so hard to have like an 18 year old make you feel so bad about not understanding the well, the differences in the pronouns and what it means. The bottom line is like, you did understand the her, her, her friend's decision to be non-binary. You just... 
got confused because she was using words that were plural. And gosh, we've that's a lot lot to break free from after decades of thinking of plural things as plural. Yeah, I mean, I it's so much easier for me to call someone who was born a male her if that's where they choose yeah to plant themselves but the non-binary is difficult we need a new word we need a new word but the pluralness of it all i guess that's where my like i think grammar stuff comes in it is considered to be too rude so we can't call yeah non-binary people it and i should just shut up now because i the last thing i want to do is offend anyone because i too am very open to this i'm just not very good at it I'm sure it was very funny listening to that conversation. It was hilarious. Room. It was hilarious. But so that's that's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about communication and the challenges of communication, how difficult it is. Communication challenges are not reserved only for couples that are in the middle of active alcoholism. Communication continues to be challenging in recovery. And the challenges to communication are not just... Also, they're not just isolated to the couple, the the spouses who um, had trouble communicating when they when the drinking was involved, and even in sobriety, continue to have trouble drinking. Just communication is just tough in families and amongst friends. Sometimes it goes, it transcends alcoholism. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Also, during this holiday period, I want to talk about something that happened at Christmas, or really happened just right after Christmas. On your side of the family, the adults had made an agreement that you just weren't going to do presents this year, which honestly makes a lot of sense to me because, you know, I don't like I don't understand. And, and this is me. This is my bias. Maybe this is the Scrooge in me, but I don't understand middle class people spending money on each other for things that they don't really need and then shipping them across country to each other. Like, to me, that's just a waste of everybody's stuff. Now, I understand that other people get a lot of juice from giving. And so I try to I try to suppress my scrooginess in that in that regard. But when your family came to the agreement among the adults that we're not going to send presents to each other, I certainly wasn't going to object. I was like, okay, great. That that's one less thing to worry about. But then on. Let's see, the 26th was Saturday, right? So the mail was going on the 26th. That was, was the, the day. Monday. Was it the got, Monday after? Yeah, because we got all that backed up yeah. postal. So on the 28th, we get a card from your sister, which Christmas cards being a day or two late, that's no big deal. But there was a check in there. There was a Christmas check for you for 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 money specifically to be spent for you and I, is how your sister designated it. And so that was... That was frustrating. You know, it was it was a it was frustrating for you, and you uh, wanted to talk to me about it, and I blew you off. I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, you know, why don't you just send it back to her?" I think is what I said, and then I just kind of walked out of the room. But it was hurtful to you. It was hurtful to you because there was a, a agreement among the family, and then your sister had decided to do something different, and then it made you feel. Like you hadn't done enough, right? Or reciprocated. Tell me, how, tell me how the check made you feel. Well, it just created a whole lot of <clears throat> confusion in my head. Um, because there is a, a tendency, I think, in my family. Um, my dad was an alcoholic. My parents were divorced early on. So I feel like communication 
has always been kind of, um, let's discuss other people's problems behind their back. Yeah. And, and like being like open, it just sometimes creates a lot of issues. Um, I know my mom was dealing with a lot of hard stuff, so like, you know, um, she's kind of walked this line between, you know, keeping people's confidences between her daughters and not oversharing. And my sister and I don't have a really super great relationship as far as like communication all the time. And the last few years, it's just gotten a little harder. So, you know, I know in the past, like she's not always been consistent about sending cards and gifting to her nieces and nephews, our kids or to me. So I know that that's been just nothing that she's been really good about. And like last year we didn't get anything and I was like, that's fine. But then I was even afraid to approach her about like, cause she had sent a check the previous year to divide up between the kids. Right. So, you know, I was like afraid to approach her because I didn't want to sound greedy. I didn't want to sound selfish. I also didn't want her to have this check that was outstanding because also she probably wouldn't call me to say, did you not cash that check? Right. To balance her account. So like, it's just that level of breakdown of communication that goes back. I'm really curious. Did So because of this podcast and the communication that we have through Echoes of Recovery, which, by the way, great opportunity to mention Echoes of Recovery. It's our group for connection for the loved ones of alcoholics. We, we've we got a great thing going there. I, I don't think I could possibly oversell it if... if if you you tried it out and joined us, you'd see what I'm talking about. We've got really great healing and connection and recovery and discovery going on in the Echoes of Recovery group. So check it out at echoesofrecovery.com, E-C-H-O-E-S of recovery.com. But between the podcast and Echoes of Recovery and what you allow me to write about our relationship, between those three avenues, you are an open book now. And that was a big change for you. You weren't always this way. You, you know, you were raised to kind of push things down and very, very typical. I don't think you were raised in a, you know, nothing strange about the way you were raised. Very typical American family. And does it make it even harder for you when there are these communication challenges among the family when this other side of your life, you're just such an open book. You're just like nakedly splayed open for anyone to see. Is that difficult to to then have this forced conversations that's tough? Or do you even think about that? Yeah, it is. It is absolutely makes it more difficult. Um, my sister and I had a, a blow up a few years ago when she was driving me to the airport from my aunt's funeral um, because of the absolute openness of not that she was mad or, you know, it's I'm not going to get into the details, but it was just... The conversation boiled down to a statement that was similar to, well, if Matt wants to keep his life like an open book, that's fine. But not everybody wants to live their life like that. Or, you know, so I just felt like she was judging you and then judging me in turn. And there's always been that level of walking the line between you and my family because of the alcohol that is and how it is taking place. Um, during family visits. Sure. So there's already this big tension and shocker alert. Like I'm 
I think that we've mentioned in another podcast, like the day that you and I were packing up from Indiana and moving to Minnesota for you to start a job, like that was a huge blowout between you and my sister. Um, so there's always been this level. That of, one wasn't drinking related. That was just two stubborn, stubborn oxes trying yeah, to pack just a U-Haul. Two stubborn people trying to pack a U-Haul. I mean, and, but and, it was a blowout. You're right. But um, you know, but there's just been many conversations and and and. Um, inserts of like why do you let him do that or, oh absolutely you know that i've gotten and i think that her being an older sister she wants to be protective and she gets defensive um you know when she sees her younger sister be upset so we our communication is just broken down it's like i don't really talk to her about personal stuff and she doesn't with me and we just have a very surface level conversations when we have um, visited with the exception of my mom and her health. So approaching her about this check was something I had hoped to communicate with you and bounce off with just my feelings and get them kind of verbally sorted out. So let's talk about that. But before we do, I think we should emphasize how common and difficult it is the piece of it that you just discussed when you are the spouse of an alcoholic you get pulled in so many different directions and nobody gives a shit nobody appreciates that you've got family that's saying why do you tolerate this behavior why are you putting up with him why are you still with him and at times you feel the need to you felt the need to defend me to them Oh, it's not as bad as you think it is. He's, you know, he's a great provider or, or whatever. I don't want to put words in your mouth. But sometimes you're defending me to them. Sometimes my behavior is indefensible. Either way, you're just getting pulled in a million different directions. And I can't imagine that there was ever a time that your that, that the concern... I mean, your family's concern was always for you. But it was always like, why doesn't he get help? Or why don't you get out? It was never like, you know, how can we help you to weather this storm? Right? Yeah. And there's not enough support for the loved ones. Yeah. And I definitely think like, because there was alcoholism with my father um, and my mom divorced him, there was never the kind of healing and recovery that she needed. Right. So it was kind of just just moved moved on. on. Yeah. Yeah. So... I think then, and my sister was in a relationship that, for a very long time, and I loved my brother-in-law very much, um, but he had a lot of addiction issues and and mental health issues, and... He basically died of alcoholism. Yeah, and um, so she just became the advocate for stuff it down, move on, she... You know, kind of lived a separate life than him in a lot of ways for many years under the same old household. It was self-defense for her. And yeah, so I think, but she's not, I mean, I think she's experienced and and some working on some healing and understanding of herself, but never really kind of went through the, that sort of help that you would need, like we offer with the Echoes group. So it's just, it's really tough to... To walk that line between your family who you think would understand, 
but they really don't. And and it's not their fault either. And it's not I mean, yeah, it's important. not their fault. I mean, my mom grew up in a family that nobody drank, so of course, what was she going to do? But scream and yell and tell him to stop, and then it didn't, and so she didn't want to raise us that way. We talk all the time about how we've got to blame the alcohol, blame the drug, blame the the thing that's causing the problem. Don't blame the people. And this is another, it's from a different angle, but it's another perfect example. Your mother is one of the most loving, generous, kind people I've ever met. Your sister, absolutely as well. I mean, she would give the shirt off her back for, for anyone that she cares about. She is so protective of her now adult boys. I mean, they're just wonderful, wonderful people. So the, the fact that they're such wonderful people and they're just... They were ill-prepared for dealing with this monster of alcoholism, like every human in America and around the world is pretty much ill-prepared for dealing with it, speaks to how diabolical the disease is, not the people. Right. That's super important. So, and yet, and yet, even though we love and respect and admire your mom and sister, because communication is so difficult... There is still this kind of conflict and this pushing it down and this disease in the family that makes a conversation about a Christmas check that wasn't supposed to be there really, really difficult and stressful. Yeah. So let's come back to, I blew you off. I totally blew you off. I remember we were in your office here. I remember when you opened the check or when you showed it to me and I just... I, I don't know. I don't know what... I don't know how to describe... I I had a lot going on, but that's just a lame excuse. But you do, you were kind of having a, a crappy day, and it wasn't even that early, or it wasn't even that late in the day, so I could tell... I mean, you know, how you just have those days, right? Like, sure. So... But, but You were regardless, kind of like, well, just, you know, send it back, or don't cash it, or... Yeah, I, I gave you some really un executable suggestions and then walked out of the room and I thought it was over but why like it's really bizarre to me how I behaved and how I thought that was going to be okay because of course it's not over you've still got to deal with the check so but so then you 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 stewed about this for a, a day or two yeah and I thought I would maybe approach you later on that evening but it seemed like the day just didn't get much better um and so I just kind of harbored it and thought about it and so our worked com- out. Our communication is much better now. But was that a really was that a triggering experience for you for the old alcoholic days? Were you like thrown back into this is how Matt used to behave? <clears throat> well, the the f- initial thing, not so much. But then there was something later on where you were just a little like quick to answer again, and I don't know. I so I kind of went in that codependent mode like are you upset with me are you mad at me did I do something wrong and then you were like no I just you know I'm sorry and you apologize for however you had kind of were short answered that early evening um so I guess I just kind of went into that like you know I'm just gonna think about this myself and come up with a plan and instead of approaching you again about it and saying I really want to talk this out with you, I don't, you know, or I should, you know, instead of doing that, I kind of just thought about it all on my own, and I was like, well, I, you know, weighed out my decisions, and then, and then I just was kind of short. Yeah, so another thing happened. You were forced to 
to deal with it on your own and think about what your options were. But you also did, you know, you you reverted to some behavior from back in the old alcoholic times. I don't know. Is passive aggressive the right word? You 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 started Maybe. like you you were taking shots at me about unrelated things, and it was out of the blue. Like we yeah. drove we drove past a restaurant in our neighborhood. It was it was Tuesday morning after Christmas at like ten a.m. And there was a line outside the restaurant, and there's no seating in restaurants in Colorado right now. No indoor seating. It would all be takeout. And I just thought that was, it's a very popular restaurant, but it's, I just thought that was an odd time for there to be a line on the, you know, on that Tuesday morning. Mm-hmm. And I said something about it, and you kind of like snapped back that that's a very popular restaurant. There's a line there all the time. Yeah. And that was the first, like, the radar went up for me, like, oh, she's mad about something. Yeah, like, I don't know what the, it is, but she's mad about something. And then, so that, and then there was another statement you were talking about, like, generalizing something. And I was just, and I was like, oh, there he is, just that judgy asshole, just judging yeah. everybody else. Like, don't let them, you know, like, he's just making these blanket statements and... So that's kind of how I felt because I felt like I was being judged and you were judging my family instead of listening about the check. You were like, well, just don't just don't cash it or send it back. I think it's stupid, you know, kind of that sort of right um, mentality. So I don't I don't know if passive aggressive was necessarily because I definitely feel like I was openly openly aggressive. (laughs) Well, but but from my perspective, the big thing was. You were angry about something, but that isn't the thing we were talking about. We were talking about all these other little minor, unimportant things. Mm-hmm. That's where the the tension and the frustration was coming from. Mm-hmm. And this was very typical of our alcoholism days. You know, there were things in our relationship that were un that were off limits communicationally. For instance. Why do you drink so much? Or you need to stop drinking. I mean, there were times when you said that, but there were other times when that wasn't a sayable thing if if you wanted to have a peaceful relationship. Had you said that, it would have been a big blow up. And so you, you would, you know, there would be other things that you would mention or other things that would irritate you. Or other things that would upset me that I just piled all of my anger and frustration on this one really small thing. Exactly. Or like the fact that you made two statements over a, you know, basically three statements over like 48 hours. And I was like, there he is, that judgy asshole. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, again, this is another, you know, we think we're unique in our lives and our relationship. We're not. This is textbook alcoholic relationship. You know, you're mad about one thing. You can't talk about that, so you're going to be snippy and mad about other things. So I'm not blaming you. Please, I hope you don't take this as as though I'm taking shots at you. This whole situation was caused by me blowing you off. But that's why I feel feel like those are things that can happen in a typical relationship because so many people are not... Like, everybody comes from dysfunction. And whether you have alcohol in there or not, too. Like, just the dysfunction part of it all, you know? No question, but once you've gotten past the alcohol and you're into, you know, a, an area of discovery, as as we have chosen to use instead of the word recovery, the word discovery, thank you very much, Jane Clark, 
By the way, if you want to hear more about Jane Clark, uh, just search for her story in our podcast inventory. Her episode was somewhere in the 50s, and I can't remember the episode number exactly now. But Jane's the one that's got us using the word discovery instead of recovery. And that's so in this, we both hate the word recovery. Absolutely. But in this period of discovery, this behavior on my part of blowing you off is just completely unacceptable. And it, I'm not trying to pat my own back, but it's out of character when you say. I mean, I don't, yeah, I don't blow you off like that anymore, especially with something that's, you know, emotional and challenging for and you. And also, I, I wasn't surprised just because of the tension that sometimes comes up between me feeling like I still walk this line between... between the- the families in a way really i feel like between my mom and you is great you know um but just but just that tension of of you know my sister and yeah well i'll have to work on that because i don't want you to feel like there's tension between us well but i also have feelings like that too so with her yeah so I knew that it was an uncomfortable situation. Your sister's situ- awesome. She's been through yeah. a lot. Yeah. And I knew it was an uncomfortable situation for us to deal with because we thought that it had all been taken care of. Yeah. So I don't, I'm not like blaming you about not wanting to deal with it either. So you're weighing this decision. What are you going to do? And then finally, you and I get to the point where, you know, I, I think it was probably three incidents I want I don't want to make it sound bigger than it was but there were probably three things where I was like whoa something is wrong and it's not the thing we're talking about and to your credit in the past it would have taken probably days to get down to the truth as far as what was really bothering you and to your credit we got down to it really fast you were able to say okay this is what's bothering me I showed you this this card and this check from my sister and you didn't help me solve the problem and you were judgy about it and that hurt. So you called me on it quickly and we were able to get into a nice discussion about it. And ultimately, uh, I, I, you know, you, you had decided at that point that you were going to call her and talk to her. And I reminded you of that discussion that you talked about a little earlier, Sherry, that didn't go very well. And just said, hey, there is potential for this to to cause a rift and cause you pain. And are, do you really want to address it or would you rather just... I think my suggestion was, why don't you send her a gift card back for the same amount and then you're even Steven and everyone can feel good and move on. But that is me suggesting, why don't you just push your emotions down? And your suggestion, your idea, your thought was to call her and and confront her on it. Confront isn't a good... That makes me feel like it. Can we say, call her and just discuss it? Absolutely. Clarify. Clarify. Much better way to talk about it. Because that's really what needed to happen. Was just She and I needed to have a clarification of the agreement and on my side of the family with the adults for the holidays. So why this happened? So. Absolutely. So me being late to the game in the decision-making process and, and discussing it with you and, and trying to help you, if, if my suggestions had come out initially when you first showed me the check, 
they would have been pretty well received. But after you had already made your own decision, kind of stewed about it for a couple of days and and been disappointed in me for a couple of days, when I all of a sudden had a suggestion or two to offer, that was that was not as well received. You 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 had already made up your mind and I kind of put doubt in your mind. Is that Yeah. Is that what you're Yeah, you're I felt like Yeah, I felt like the doubt came from you know, your suggestion was was kind of stuffing the feelings. You know, cash it, send her something and say, "Oh, I thought we weren't doing Christmas presents, so, but, you know, whatever, here it is." <clears throat> Excuse me, and I just wanted to kind of kind of get some clarity and have an open discussion with her and I felt like that was a more reasonable thing to do but then but then when you said you know sometimes it's hard to deal and you know don't misstep in your speaking because you don't want it to get um turn into an uncomfortable conversation with her and then I was like wow did I even think about it long enough did I like weigh out all the you know pros and cons did I give any consideration to one of the conversations that hadn't gone well a couple years ago um so I definitely felt like I couldn't trust my own decision and my own instincts. I was just worried about you. I remember that that last time that you and your sister had conflict, it stuck with you for weeks. For weeks you were upset about that. And I didn't want this to cause you problems again. But I want to give credit in two places to your progress and our progress in discovery. And the, the, the first place is how quickly you and I normalized the relationship. This is something that back, you know, back when there was a ton of pain and resentment lingering between us, this is the kind of thing that could have sent us into a two-week tailspin of yelling and screaming and fighting and arguing. And I encourage our listeners, if, if you're in or have been in an alcoholic relationship, think back to the the causes of some of your worst arguments, and I bet they were minor things that mm-hmm. that when you look back could have been easily handled. I can't remember you and I ever having a major blowout argument over anything significant. The significant things, the real, the real important stuff, we somehow seemed to manage and navigate in a semi-adult manner. It was always the little things that that went haywire for us, and so. Again, credit to progress in discovery. We got to a point, we've gotten to a point where I totally screwed up. I totally blew you off. It was 100% my fault for being non-communicative when you had an issue. You you pushed it down for a little while, but then once we, we dragged it out in the open and talked about it, we handled it like adults. It was bizarre. It was, it was a normal. Like I look back on it now and I say, yeah, we had an argument because couples have arguments. Uh, I made a mistake because humans make mistakes and there was nothing alcoholic about it. There was nothing diabolical and long-term about it. It was just a uh, misstep, uh, hurt feelings, and then apology and we we moved on. And that's really, really a huge blessing in my opinion. Yeah, the other thing I wish that I would have, you know, at the time said something like, okay, I know that this isn't a good time to talk about it, but I really want to talk about it with you. And I don't want you just to give me a short answer or, you know, something along those lines of like, let's plan to talk about this later on, not during the work day and had a little bit more, 
um, insightfulness on my own feelings and say, I am going to need to like verbally talk about this. Cause I, I literally talked to myself in the shower, like out loud. I mumbled, but I out loud talked. So, you know, I wish that I would have been in a place where I could say that for myself and maybe I feel like we would be, you know, um, able to do it without having any sort of like a day of me just being passive aggressive. Okay. Um, I'll give you that. I'm not going to let you take much of the blame for this because it was my short, you know, but that's where I still need threw us into the issue. That's where I still need to, to kind of stick out for myself is sounds a little, you know, exaggerated, but for me to be more vulnerable and open and say, Matt, I, I know that that's your answer now, but I'm going to need to talk to you about yeah. this later on. Like, I feel like I wish that our communication was to that point still. Well, it's, it, it, I think it's huge progress the way we handle it. I think it's huge progress that you have that thought right there that, that there's more progress needed. There's, you know, the next step will, will be an even better one for communication for the relationship. The other place that I want to give you a ton of credit, and and again, this is all work that you've done in discovery, work that you've done with the the folks in the Echoes of Recovery group. You know, one thing I can't emphasize enough is that group isn't just us preaching to the, the people that are have joined us. It is we learn as much from them as they, you know, hopefully learn from us and the others in the group. So from our experience in Echoes, you've made a ton of progress and you ultimately decided to have that confrontational, I'll call it confrontational phone call with your sister. You can say that you just wanted to talk it out. I was really nervous about it, about it, you know, going sideways. But I got to tell you, Sherry, the old, the old you would not have done that. You would have either just I don't know. I don't know which of the less um, less direct options you would have taken. Whether you would have, I don't think you would have mailed the check back. You probably would have just sat on the check for a long time, and your sister would have wondered why the check didn't get cashed, or maybe you would have eventually cashed it. I don't know. But the old Sherry would not have taken the very adult, very mature, very bold step to call your sister and try to have a conversation that that didn't go didn't go badly and you did and i was the one that was you know suggesting hey maybe what you ought to do is just walk away from this situation and and not put yourself in potential jeopardy but you you called her and you had the conversation you boldly did so it it definitely was causing you stress until you had the conversation you weren't comfortable in your own skin there for a couple of days until you found the time to talk to her. Yeah, when, and I think, I think too, like I felt, I don't want to like make it sound like a negative way to you, but I felt like, okay, well, I was able to figure out and kind of problem solve and hash out what I was going to do about it. And then you made a suggestion that was a little bit, more like which is kind of opposite of you non-confrontational not having those hard discussions not asking someone about breaking an agreement 
So then I was like, wow, if he's thinking that and he likes to have these hard conversations, then I must be really off kilter. So then that really shook me and made me feel insecure about my choice. So I had anxiety building up sure, um, to it, you know, until we got a time to talk because I just, I felt like, wow, I can't even listen to my own advice because here's this person that's looking out for me. He's giving me this other piece of advice that's like kind of an avoidance advice. So maybe I should be avoiding. Maybe I shouldn't trust myself. Maybe I'm going to be too emotional in the call. Maybe I'm going to be too judgy or too, you know, yeah. authoritative in my, you know, or I don't know. Like, but you, so you weighed those options. You weighed the decision that you had already made to call your sister against the the suggestions of caution for me, and ultimately you decided to follow your instincts, which is great. Which is, I mean, that's what this healing is all about: following your own instincts. And you know, I won't go so far as to say that my advice was gaslighting because it wasn't. It wasn't evil. It wasn't. It wasn't, honestly, it wasn't terrible advice. It wasn't... It was just uh, trying to save heartache on somebody you love. I was worried about potential both, heartache. You, both you and your sister. Yeah. And But you followed your instincts and you had the conversation. And like the cloud of tension in our house disappeared as soon as you were even having the conversation, which was nice. That, But that's from my perspective. I want to hear from your perspective... How, how did the conversation go and how did you feel afterwards? Well, I guess too, like when you were saying, giving me the advice, I thought, wow, maybe I, maybe I've totally misjudged my sister too. Maybe she is really much harder than I give her, you know? So I was also like worried about how I was going to go into that. Um, so I wouldn't, um, tiptoe around, but I, when I called her, it was good. Like I just said, I thought that we had this agreement in the family and, um, <clears throat> I thought like no gifts for the adults. And she was like, well, I could do this and I wanted to do it. And, and part of the money is to go to the kids. And that was in the note too. So she's like, no, I want to, you know, I wanted to do this. And, um, and it just opened up some other conversation pieces about, um, things that were going on in her life. Um, so it, was so nice it basically to... went exactly 180 degrees the opposite of what I was worried about. Yeah. Not only did you address the specific issue, but it brought you two a little bit closer and you had some other topics that you covered during the conversation. Yeah, and they weren't. And, and usually the topics that we covered, with the exception of my mom's health, because she's the one that lives close by and takes care of her, um... You know, those are those are other topics that could be totally sensitive. So I felt like she was trusting me with pieces of information that she maybe wouldn't always share. Or maybe she's always wanted to share and we've just not been able to do that. Yeah. Maybe because she's discovering new things and is moving on and healing from her um, hard marriage. Yeah. You know, so. Well, the the progress, you know, if, if you heard this story and you've never been involved in an alcoholic marriage, you, you might think we're, we're making too much out of it. But 
I've got to say that the progress is really remarkable. The confidence that you showed in having that conversation, the way you handled the conversation with, you know, I was the one that was worried that one of the two of you who have been known to have tempers, (laughs) one of the two of you would be sparked. But you just, you've reached a place in your discovery where you can maneuver conversations like that now, I won't say with, with ease, but you can do it successfully. And there's a huge benefit to doing that as opposed to just pushing it down or blowing it off. You you got a little bit closer with your sister. And, you know, the communication difficulties that we have in families are not isolated to spouses. Communication within families is often very difficult. I I still struggle with improving the relationships with with my family as well. So I'm just super proud of you, super impressed. I'm kind of, I'm bummed that we developed a whole podcast episode around me being short and, uh, you know, snippy and non-helpful because I was hoping that those days were behind me. But turns out I can, I can still uh, conjure up a little bit of asshole when I, when I really need to and started this whole thing down the wrong path. But the the result is what makes it worth talking about. It, I'm really, really proud of you and really, really impressed. And then again, just a little bit, I'm proud of us for not making this a two-week blow-up, but rather making it an adult disagreement that we cleared up pretty quickly. So, well done, Sherry. Well, thanks, but I mean, I think that, I think that what happened is going to happen in relationships when they're normal and you know that's a that's a healthy thing and we don't always have to agree and we always can have different opinions but the way we handled it I think is the is the good part because I know that I can also be an asshole by yelling at you that yes it's okay for people to go on a Tuesday out to brunch yeah for carry out and it was it was fine just looked a little bit odd to me. Well, thanks for talking about this with us. Listeners, thanks for, for hanging in there. Uh, a little bit of you know family drama over the holidays. That's unheard of, right? That's never happened before. So I'm sure that many of you experienced similar situations. I hope it, it went as well. And I hope that you see potential for it to get even better as you work on your discovery as opposed to the word recovery, your discovery and your your growth and healing. And if you'd like to join us in Echoes of Recovery, we'd love to have you. For my wife, Sherry Salis, I'm Matt Salis, and you've been listening to the Untoxicated Podcast. Thank you. Thank you.